Welcome to the 2019 West Sound Burn Supper with principal sponsor J&D Pierce Contracts and support sponsors Billy Bowie, Special Projects, Egger UK, Harry Fairbairn, The Rad Group and Stephen Brown Art. This is West Sound. Gentlemen, please welcome your host for the evening, Willie Young. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and a very warm welcome to the 34th West Sound Burn Supper. Uh, can you please put your hands together for Pipe Major Ollie Brownlee and the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service Pipe Band? Thank you. As usual, we're in for a fabulous evening as we celebrate the 260th birthday of Scotland's national bard, Robert Burns. Now, to start us off in the evening, we'll have the Selkirk Grace as usual, and to give us the Selkirk Grace, let me welcome back Derek Pearce, Managing Director of our principal sponsor, J&D Pearce Contracts. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Some who meet and can't eat, and some would eat that want it. But we who meet and we can eat, so let the Lord be thank it. Thank you, and have a good evening. Could I ask you to be upstanding to greet our guest of honour this evening, the Haggis. 
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Please take your seats. It is my great pleasure to ask the not-so-shy and retiring Cat Harvey, who entertained us so well with the toast to the laddies last year, to address the haggis. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, all one of you. <laughs> Um, it's a great honour to be here to, to do the haggis. As you know, it's probably quite a traditional male thing, so it is, it's great for me to be able to do this. Um, a little story just before I get started. My friend Fraser, um, who's an accordion player from Dalrai, was doing the haggis in Russia last year. And basically what had happened, this is, as you can see, is a beautifully cooked specimen. But they took over a 15-inch, 5-kilogram haggis that got flown over. And the, the only instructions they told the Russian chef was that you boil it. He didn't know for how long or for what. And, and what happens, I don't, the chef will probably tell me, you start with the water cold and then you put the haggis in and it comes to it. This Russian chef had the, the water boiling to absolute scalding point through the haggis in. And within about two minutes later, there was haggis on the walls. But they didn't have any other haggis. So they had to reclaim the haggis from all the surfaces. And then this is what comes to Scottish ingenuity and proper Ayrshire brains, as they were trying to work out, as they were scraping haggis from all the walls, what to do with it. And one of the men, my friend Fraser, realised that if you put it in, well, you know, one of the letters that are from France, that are for... <laughs> and tie a wee knot in it, that it looks exactly like a haggis. And that is truthfully what they did. And the Russians thought it was lovely, although one woman did comment it was a little bit rubbery. So that, I can tell you, is a, a, a true story. So ladies and gentlemen, to a haggis. <clears throat> Fair for your honest sonsy face, great chieftain o' the puddin' race, I bin them all ye tack your place, pains triper theorem. Weel are thee worthy o' a grace, as lang's my erum. The groaning trencher there ye fill, your hurdies, like a distant hill, your pin, would help to mend a mill in time of need. Yet through your pores, the dews distill, like amber bead. His knife, say rustic labour dicht, and cut thee up, <laughs> we're ready slicht. Oh, gushing your angel's breath like ony ditch, then oh, what a glorious sight, warm, reeking, rich. <laughs> then horn for horn they stretch and strive, deal take the hindmost on the drive till other oh, well swelled kites belive are bent like drum. Then, old goodman, Mace like to arrive. <coughs> Be thank it, hums. Is there the hour is French ragout or oreo would star sewer fricassee with makers beau a perfect scunner? Looks down with sneering scornful view on sucker dinner. But poor Dill, see him hour is trash. Haggis coming out there, sorry. <laughs> Poor deal, see him out as trash. As feckless as a withered rash. His spindle shank, a good whip lash. His neave a knit. Through bloody field, 
flood or field to dash. Oh, how unfit. But mark the rustic haggis fed, the trembling earth beneath his sned, clapping his wally neve a blade, he'll make it whistle. And legs and arms and heads will sned like taps a thristle. Ye powers, why mak mankind your care, and dish them up their bill of fare. Old Scotland wants no skinking wear that jouts and luggies. But if you wish her grateful prayer, gee her a haggis. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Kat, for that extraordinary address to the Haggis. As usual, this event has attracted the upper echelons of Ayrshire society. I see my good friend Brian Donohoe there. Uh, Brian uh, could say he's retired, but he's probably busier now than he's ever been. But uh, by the time he retired, he maybe doesn't want me to reveal this, but by the time he retired, Brian had managed to accumulate an nest egg of £200,000. And his ability to do so after 30 years was attributed to hard work, with long hours, strict attention to duty, an economical lifestyle, absolute honesty, and the recent death of an uncle who left him 198500 And it's also nice to see his lovely wife, Christine, here. Um, I maybe shouldn't tell you this, Christine, but uh, when I met Brian earlier, he was asking me if I could give him any advice on how to uh, spice things up a bit in the, in the bedroom department. And uh, no, I'm not an expert, but I, I said to Brian, I said, well, why don't you get creative, Brian? I said, uh, why don't you try playing doctor for an hour? And Brian says, uh, uh, that sounds like a good idea. Well, he says, but how do I make it last for an hour? Oh, I says, that's easy, Brian. You just keep Christine in the waiting room for 57 minutes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like Brian, like Brian, I'm an Ayrshire boy uh, and very proud of it. Uh, my parents moved to Girvan when I was eight. Uh, I managed to find him when I was 10. <laughs> and in fact, it was at the age of 10 I, I got my first ever job. I became a junior operative in the bovine lactate industry. Hey, that's a milk boy for, <laughs> for, those, without, <laughs> for those without the Oxford education. Um, and uh, we loved Gervin. I had two brothers. And this, I, I suppose this is where the football background came from because... One of my brothers played professional football. Uh, the other brother should have played professional football. He was the best of the three of us. But, of course, my mother nagged us. I mean, she 
said, oh, no, you need to stick in at the school. You need to go to university. No, no, get rid of that football. Now, to be fair, looking back on it all these years later, she was probably quite right because the brother who became the professional footballer, he was the black sheep of the family, right? Because I became a lawyer. My other brother became a chartered accountant. Uh, we had a cousin that was a gynecologist. Uh, he wanted to be an ear, nose and throat specialist, but he wasn't tall enough. <laughs> so, uh, so he started as a chiropodist and worked his way up. Uh, and we were... <laughs> we were football daft. We were absolutely football mad. Um, and... To be fair, it was easy to enhance our skills because our school in Girvan, uh, Girvan Primary School, was next door to the convent, or, or as we used to call it, the Virgin Megastore. And it had, a, it had a fantastic wall against which we used to play football. And my, my two brothers and I used to play football out the back door every day with our sister. And then she got too heavy and we had to get a ball. <laughs> And my earliest memory was my mother shouting out to us, where did you get that ball? We found it. Are you sure it was lost? Oh, aye, we saw them looking for it. <laughs> no, it was just a normal South Ayrshire background. But I was just uh, lying in the bath the other night, uh, wondering whether I dare ask for another pillow. And uh, it struck me... <laughs> It struck me that we all, this controversy about refereeing, a lot of it arises from ignorance on the part of the viewing public. And I thought this would be a great occasion when we've got football people in the audience here. Um, and I thought it would be a great occasion if I were to introduce you to some of the tools of the trade. So the, the next time you're watching a game, you've got a better appreciation of it. And here's a wee insight for you. The wee black book, right? Now, it transpires it's not a wee black book. It's a wee black plastic folder inside which there's a wee sheet of paper and you as the referee have to get all the details of the game down while the game is raging on. So you have to get who kicked off, what ends were they at, yellow cards, red cards, penalty kicks, who scored that goal, who was that sub. You have to get all this down there while the game's raging on and folk are shouting at you and saying things about your wife and that. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I had no idea she got about the country. <laughs> in my naivety, I assumed that when I was refereeing on a Saturday, she was in the house, but apparently not. According to these boys in the crowd, she was getting about quite a bit. And she was getting up to stuff she certainly wasn't getting up to in the house. Anyway, after about 10 years, I became highly proficient at getting all these details down while the game was raging on until Alexei Mikhailichenko and Mio Dragkrivokopich arrived on the Scottish football scene. And I was refereeing Falkirk against Rangers at Brockville. Never an easy place to go, the old Brockville. Yes, never an easy place to go, the old Brockville. It was the only ground I ever got booed into by a four-year-old boy who, who was there with his father. 
it was really, it was quite funny because the wee boy was at the door waiting for autographs, right? And all the players were coming, oh, can I get your autograph, can I get your autograph? And of course, I came along with my kit bag. This is absolutely true. And the wee boy, he must have been five years old, right? And the wee boy said, hey, who's that daddy? Hey, well, that's the referee's son. And the wee boy went, boo. <laughs> Not a ball kicked. Anyway. Anyway, I'm refereeing Falkett against Rangers at Brockville. Rangers had just signed Alexei Mikhailichenko from Sampdoria, and I had never met the lad. But 10 minutes into the game, he puts in this horrendous tackle, and I thought to myself, that'll no do, son. Not acceptable. Over you come. And I said, right, that's no use to me, that son. I said, right, what is your name? <laughs> he says, Alexei Mikhailichenko. Oh, I said, well, I'm just going to give you a warning on this occasion. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're, obviously, you're obviously a new boy here. I said, it'll take you a wee while to adjust to the pace of the game, I imagine. <laughs> and then the great thing about it, this is the other insight, ladies and gentlemen, the great thing about it, because it's not a wee black book, it's a wee black plastic folder, in the back there's a wee space there. Oh, it's fantastic. That, that, every time. So that lives here in your top pocket. So when you summon the player towards you, uh, you'll recognise this Ian McAllister, when you summon the player towards you and you get your wee blank, he sees the wee sliver of yellow and he goes, thank goodness for that, I'm only getting booked. Now, what he doesn't realise is, I've put a bit of black tape <laughs> round the outside of my... Oh. You should have seen the wee look of surprise on their faces. Booked. Are you hell? Half. <laughs> but the best tool of the trade, ladies and gentlemen, undoubtedly, undoubtedly was the, the whistle. I was telling the McNeil sisters about this because they use a whistle in one of their many talented acts that they do. But they, you start off as a referee with the Acme Thunderer. Fine if you're selling ice cream or something. No use at all at Celtic Park or Ibrox with the big crowds. For that, you need the Fox 40. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> right, and do you know the best thing about this? You're the only one that's got one. So you can stop the game whenever you like, which in my case was very handy because I sometimes needed a wee rest. <laughs> So the game would be raging on. I'd be saying to myself, oh, I could do a bit of rest here. Stop the game. And the player would say, what are you doing, ref? I've stopped the game. What are you stopped the game for? I'm the referee. I can stop it any time I like. Look, I've started it again. <laughs> but the best... Now, everybody says anybody could do this. I hear you in the, in the golf club watching the film, oh, that referee's rubbish, I could do that. No, you couldn't. It takes years of training, absolutely years of training, because you have to learn to speak through your whistle. This is your only means of communication. It, it is. So you'll start the game off. Things will be heating up a wee bit. Half time will come along. Full time will come along. And again, after 10 years, I've become highly proficient to communicating via this device until one day at Forfa, a flock of sheep came onto the park, <laughs> followed by an irate shepherd wondering where his dog had gone. 
So I hope that's a wee insight into the refereeing world for you, ladies and gentlemen. I could give you more refereeing secrets, but uh, you would need to come to a meeting on Wednesday for that. <laughs> I said earlier tonight we're in for a superb evening's entertainment, and we start with the principal toast of the evening, the immortal memory. To propose that toast, it's my great pleasure to welcome back to the West Soundburn Supper, Sheriff Lindsay Wood. He's been a sheriff in Glasgow for 15 years, world-renowned for his involvement in the Specialist Drug Court in Glasgow, a former president of the Sheriff's Association of Scotland and a keen follower of football. He's a marvellous after-dinner speaker. In his early days as a court lawyer, he was defending a boy who was charged with assaulting a lady of the night. She was giving her evidence and the procurator fiscal asked her if she recognised anybody in court. The sheriff clerk, a policeman, and two defence lawyers fainted before she could answer. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the very best of order for Sheriff Lindsay Wood. Did I tell you that I've been given a time limit tonight? I'm not used to being given time limits. And understand in Glasgow Sheriff Court, I have a reputation as one who gives time and for fairly long periods. Anyway, I work in Glasgow, Glasgow Sheriff Court. It's mental there. <laughs> and we used to have a zoo in Glasgow. And, uh, but it's not there anymore. Was it called Park? But all we hear about is that zoo in Edinburgh. And all we hear about is the two pandas that can't make a wee panda. <laughs> but the big problem in Edinburgh Zoo is they've got a female gorilla and she's in season, but they've not got a male gorilla. So the zookeeper thought a wee Bobby Mackay, who cleans out the cages, and says to Bobby, Bobby, would you be willing to mate with a gorilla for 500 pounds? Bobby says, going to give me overnight to think about it, boss, and I'll need to speak to the missus. <laughs> so Bobby comes back the next day and he says, I'll dare, but there are three conditions. One, I'm not going to kiss her on the lips. <laughs> Two, if there are any wains, I want them brought up as Hibs fans. <laughs> and three, can you give me another week to come up with the 500 pounds? <laughs> That's a true story. But it's been a busy week in Glasgow. Um, every week's busy. And uh, one of our regulars, he's a shoplifter. He's got a stammer. And he got knocked down last year. But he's still knocking stuff. And he's in a wheelchair. And we, we refer to him as Steeler's Wheels.
And he appeared before me last week. And he's now 32. And when he was 18, he got a sentence of four years. But he only did two years. And he's never finished a sentence since then. (laughs) So, Eric's going to be talking about the lassies later. And uh, when I was young, I had difficulty with the lassies. I couldn't get one. I was a wee bit shy, and I thought, needs must. I'll revert to plan B. So I decided to have an invisible girlfriend. She was absolutely stunning, but, but invisible. So after a while, I decided to take her home and meet the family. I took her into the house, and my dad says, surely you can do better than that. And I says, Dad, you can't say that. He says, I'm not talking to you. I don't know if you lot are all involved in that technology nonsense. It's too much of it. It controls us, it influences us. It's not always for the good. And You get these boffins nowadays that write these computer programs which are a curious mix of facts and emotions and the recent revelation from America that people's personality types are based on the colour of the car that they drive. And if you've got a black car, you're likely to be focused, ambitious, successful, driven. And if you've got a red car, you're likely to have an extremely high sex drive and be a bit flash. And if you've got a grey or a silver car, you'll be stable, safe, be a bit boring, family-orientated, steady. But if you're arrogant, Occasionally dishonest, sarcastic, opinionated, you'll most certainly drive a white car with a blue light flashing on top. (laughs) Any police in here tonight, eh? (laughs) And we, George, was at school. And the teacher said to the kids, what did your dad do for a living? And some of them said, one said he was a policeman, one said a fireman, one said a plumber, one said a joiner, one said a factory worker. And we, George, was keeping quiet. And the teacher says, George, what does your dad do for a living? And George says, my dad is an exotic dancer in a gay club. He takes all his clothes off in front of other men. And if the offer's really good, he sometimes goes out with them, rents a cheap hotel room, and they come back to his. And the teacher's a wee bit flustered, and she says, right, children, get on with your work. And she takes George aside, and she says, George, is that really true about your dad? And George says, no, my dad's Chris Sutton, but I'm too embarrassed to say it. So mine host is tonight, Willie Young, good friend of mine over the years, a lawyer, and 
and he's retired now, he's retired from refereeing, and, but what you don't know about him in, in Glasgow, he's a, he's a special constable, and on a Tuesday night he walks the beat of Clarkston, and just the other night there, he was walking the beat with his police uniform on, and he came across two African warriors dancing cheek to cheek in the back of a Ford motor car. And Willie looked in the window, and his police radio crackled, and it said, Zulu Tango Sierra. <laughs> Willie says, Sergeant, you're not going to believe this. Glasgow's a great place, proud to work there and do what I do. And 2014, when the Commonwealth Games was brilliant, it embraced the whole country, records were broken, the sun shone, Mr. Usain Bolt was in town. But that wasn't the big event in Glasgow in 2014. The big event was the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> Came to Dumbarton Road in Partick and set up stall and shug for Mary Hill come down with his two stuffed dogs and he waited in the queue for just under five hours and the expert said dear chap these are a very rare breed have you any idea at all what they would fetch if they were in good condition and shugs his eye boys and sticks The immortal memory of Robbie Burns and Robert Burns, Scotland's most famous son, Alloway Ayrshire, 1759, was when it all begun. Born to farming, who could foresee how his life would turn out to be? Influenced by his ma, who when he was young, used to sing him songs in the old Scots tongue. And with an education paid by his da at making up rhymes, he turned out no bad. What a pupil, tutor, John Murdoch had, who turned out to be the national bard. At age 15, he had his first sweetheart caper, and this caused him to put pen to paper. Just a lad, he tasted love's bitter pill and wrote the lines... Once I loved a bonny lass, I, and I love her still. So he started the two main loves of his life. One his writing, the other his lassies, including his wife. For at chatting up the lassies, Rob Rabbi was no rookie. In fact, you could say he fair enjoyed his nookie. <laughs> a list of his lovers would fill a novel, and that doesn't include any trips to the brothel. There was Lizzie and Jenny and Peggy too, and Anna and Jessie to name but a few. And don't forget Agnes, Maria or May, and of course Highland Mary, she had her day. And many a bairn came for these roles in the hay, but Burns was a good father, no need for the CSA. <laughs> but only, only one did he take to the altar, and despite the affairs, the love didn't falter. Jean Armour, his wife, that was her name. She stood by his side through obscurity and fame. At one time, Burns considered leaving Scotland's shores 
to start afresh, free of debts and laborious chores. To the West Indies he intended to flee. Can you imagine how that would turn out to be? Instead of the bra to a moose, it would have been Rabbi B is in the house. <laughs> but luckily for us, his first book came out and all who read it thought it was a hoot. The Kilmarnock edition, it was a real hit. It was all the rage to own a copy of it. The image I'm trying to manufacture is Burns had the 18th century X factor. So Rob, Rabbi decided to give up the plough and the harrow and the ploughman poet and family moved to Edinburgh. He took up a job as a collector of taxis, all done on horseback before the days of phones and faxes. Mm. For despite his success, it did not bring him wealth and his labors through the years took a toll on his health. But his fame had spread and Burns lived life to the full, always playing and working hard as a rule. Loved by so many, both famous and not, among his fans were Wordsworth, Keats, and Sir William Scott. So he loved his lassies, his dram, and his pen. He also enjoyed the company of men. He joined the Masons with Gilbert, his brother, the Literary Club and Bachelors Club, that was another. Now, hypocrisy, Burns thought, was one of life's great crimes, for Burns had a view on life that was before his times. Whether man or beast, he thought, Equality was for all, no matter what the class, whether big or small. Sadly, his life was not to be long, yet he gave us so much through poem and song. In 1796, his beloved Jean watched him leave her. Aged just 37, he was taken by rheumatic fever. The funeral he was given was fit for a king, attended by 10,000. It was a full military fling. But on the day Burns was buried, his spirit survived and his, as his last son Maxwell into the world arrived. Five years on, a few of his cronies, having a blether, decided to hold a remembrance Burns get together. And so it all started in 1801, a supper held annually to toast Scotland's favorite son. 200 years since then has passed, yet Burns' work was, has never been surpassed. Translated into languages too many to name, all across the globe has spread his fame. His words and messages, they mean so much. For Burns, he had the people's touch. Burns suppers are held wherever you go, from New York to Tokyo, Glasgow to Moscow. Around the world, friends' arms entwine as they come together for old Lang Syne. Robbie Burns in life, he took a great part. So let's celebrate his greatness, his spirit, and his art. He was an intellectual and a leveler of classes. Those with arrogance and piety he thought were jackasses. He loved being a father, a husband, a lover. He loved beauty and honesty above any other. He loved a good party, good story, good song, a good drink with his friends being part of the throng. He loved life, loved the lassies, loved being one of the boys. Love poetry and debating, love freedom of choice. And that's why we love him and his memory do toast. Let his spirit be with us. Let's welcome his ghost. So please raise your drinks and rise as one as I offer a toast to Scotland's favourite son. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please be upstanding. To the immortal memory of Rabbi Burns. Rabbi Burns. Thank you very much. Thank you. One of the things that makes the West Sound Burns Supper so special is the contribution made to it by the winners of the Robert Burns World Federation Schools competitions. Here to tell you about those competitions and to introduce last year's winners is the doyen of West Sound Broadcasting, the delectable Kat Harvey. kidding the doyen. I love it. Anyway, it, it gives me great pleasure to present this award. It's a presentation of the Young and the Junior Burns Ring competition. Now, basically, this event is organised primarily by the World Burns Federation. It's extended to all youngsters from primary schools and from secondary schools who can demonstrate an understanding and natural affinity with the work of Burns. And they can do that either through poetry or music or song or music and song. And the competition attracts people from all over the country and they enter depending on their age to win one of the above categories. Now the individual category winners then ultimately compete for the much coveted prizes of the Young Burnsian and the Junior Burnsian of the Year. So really, really important prizes. West Sound, as always, is absolutely delighted to support this annual competition and it provides a very visible platform in which Young and Junior Burnsian's overall winner can perform to you guys, so you get to hear them as well. And um, excuse the pun, um, it, the audience obviously very well versed in Burns, um, so it's a great honour for the kids as well. So it's a necessary part in keeping the memory of Robert Burns alive for the future generations by allowing them to interpret song and poetry in a contemporary way which is suited to our current modern lifestyles. Now, ultimately, this sends out a very, very powerful message, which I do think is important, that the words that were written over 200 years ago by Burns are still very much understood. They're very poignant today, and they still have meaning in today's world. Please welcome to the stage the stars of tonight, in my opinion, our junior Burnsonian, which is Gregor Grierson from Dumfries, and the young Burnsonian, which is Ewan MacDonald from Inverkip. Give them a massive round of applause. Okay, so this one's Gregor. You're Gregor, aren't you? Yes. So tell us then, Gregor, what did you have to do to, to win this award? What was your talents? Um, I played the bagpipes um, at competition in Dumfries and I won there. So then I went to Denny High School for the Nationals and won overall, which maybe Junior Burns the end of the year. Well done. Now, I know that you're playing the bagpipes and you're going to play the bagpipes for us in a wee minute, right? They're not the quietest of instruments. Do you love winding up your parents and the neighbours by making lots of noise? Uh, yeah, but I think they enjoy it as well, because my dad plays as well. Sometimes my mum gets a bit annoyed, though, because we're both playing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. Well, Gregor, well done. We're going to let you go and warm your pipes up, and you're going to come on in a minute, so off you go. So give him a round of applause. This is Gregor. Uh, this is Ewan McDonald from Inverkip. Ewan, what was it that you did to get your award this year? Yeah, I was singing uh, A Fun Kiss, um, and I won the best singer overall, and then won the Young Burns scene. 
And then um, tell me, how did you get involved in Burns in the first place then? Um, well, through the work of the Greenock Mother Club, they like, introduced me to it um, and they brought me to their Burns night and I sang uh, A Kiss and My Love Is Like A Red Rose and I really enjoyed singing it when I was younger um, and it just really got me interested in it and ever since then I've loved singing it. And it must be, I mean, there's so much temptation, there's so many pop tunes and all of that kind of stuff. How do you keep concentrating on Burns and making that what you're going to sort of focus on? Well, I'm classically trained, but um, I really do enjoy singing Burns and it's, it's a great experience to be able to do this as well. I do believe you went for a big audition in November. Tell us about that. What happened? Yeah, I was auditioning for the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland um, and I was got a guaranteed unconditional, so I'll be starting there in September. Which, incidentally, is one of the fifth top music schools in the whole of the world, isn't it? So, uh, high hopes for yourself. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I can't wait. So you will be doing a little bit of performance for us later on. What will you be doing for us? Yeah, I'll be singing A Fun Kiss. <laughs> is your mammy going to greet? Probably. <laughs> I bet she will. Well, we're just trying to find out if uh, Gregor is there. You ready? Yes, he's there. So let's welcome on stage the Junior Burnsing of the Year, all the way from Dumfries, and he's going to play. What are you going to play for us, Gregor? I'm going to play a small medley, which will be two, two, four marches called A Man's Man for All That and Ranting Over and Robin. Then a slow air called Anila Van, which is Gaelic for the White Swan. And then a jig called Danella Beaton. That sounds like a fabulous, fabulous set. Thank you very much. Give a massive round of applause. It's Gregor Grierson from Dumfries.
Next up, ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to introduce Jojo Sutherland. Uh, Jojo is a comedian, an actor, a broadcaster, an author. There are really no bounds to her talents. Uh, an Edinburgh Festival veteran, uh, and as you're about to discover, she's a very funny lady. Uh, she used to have a wee pub, and uh, she was also a great mine host every week. She would pick a customer who was down on his luck uh, and give him the right change. Uh, she's that. She's she's that kind. She's that kind of girl. Pray silence, ladies and gentlemen, as Jojo delivers the toast to the laddies. of here. Uh, thank you very much, Willie. Uh, thank you, West Sound. Uh, thank you. Thank you all for, for being here. Lovely. It's so nice to be here to give what I thought uh, originally was the roast to the laddies, but apparently uh, we're to toast you. So that's interesting. And it is it's fabulous because Robbie Burns, he was so well known, was he so well known for his love of women? He loved women. The words he said to women, the letters, the poems, the songs he wrote, they were just beautiful, the things he said to women. And, and you kind of think that you would have thought that that would have carried on. And, and it kind of hasn't, you know. I'd, you won't know this, right? I just had my hair cut. I've got a fringe now. I didn't used to have a fringe. And, uh, and my husband did immediately notice that I had had my hair cut and said straight away, Oh, you've had your hair done. Very nice. Which is great. Lovely. Nice to notice. Nice to say something nice. Well, then, just stop there. But I don't know what it is about you boys that you feel the need to really tell the truth. And so he continued with, oh, you've had your hair done. Very nice. Very Camilla Parker Bowles. <laughs> it's not a compliment, is it? <laughs> Especially as I was going for Theresa May. I thought I could break into number 10 and take over Brexit negotiations. So that's my plan of action. Are we all right? Are we coping with Brexit? It's turned into a joke now, isn't it? An Englishman, a Scotsman, an Irishman walk into a pub. The Englishman decides to leave, so we've all got to bugger off. Oh. Uh. But that was it, because I travel quite a lot doing it, and I was, because uh, I know it is, it's, it's getting difficult. I mean, the, the world is changing. It's very, it's very much hashtag me too. Do you know what I mean? It's the, the Time's Up movement is happening, and, and Robbie Burns talked about equality, and I, I'm not entirely sure about, you know, about it. I, I don't want, I don't think I want to be equal to men. I, I, I'm, I've got ambition. And, um... <laughs> <laughs> I know you boys do feel like you're getting a hard time and it, it is a bit I think I mean obviously I mean the world is changing and I mean Harvey Weinstein he seems to be the poster boy for all the men who think harass is two words um, so <laughs> it's changing blame him blame him although I do I don't mind so much honestly I was out in the Middle East recently genuinely I was in Abu Dhabi and I got on the left and a man got in the lift and he said, oh, what floor are you? I said, on floor four, thanks very much. And he said, oh, where are you from? I said, Scotland. He said, vacation. I said, no, working. He went, good, what's your room number? <laughs> I said, not that kind of working. Honestly, he thought I was the lady of the night. And then I got all flustered because I had no idea what to charge. Um, <laughs> Turns out I'm worth a bob or two, so um, 
I know that's not very hashtag me too, but I'm in my 50s. You take it where you can get it, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> it is a changing time. And it is. We're living in a different world that's politically crazy and, the, like I say, the hashtag mood. But we do. As women, we do love you. We love you very, very much. There's some wonderful, wonderful men, sons, boys, lovers, partners around us. And you're doing the good things as well. You are. You're looking out for your women and you're looking out for other people. And, and on behalf of us, ladies, I think some of us, I think we are feeling that it's kind of going a little bit one way or another. And I do think we do have to look after women. We do have to stop sexual harassment, but we don't have to stop enjoying ourselves and, uh, do you know what I mean, having a bit of fun. Um, so feel free to proposition me in a lift or <laughs> or buy me a drink or <laughs> open a door I won't complain um, just don't do other stuff uh, no, uh, you know it is genuinely uh, on behalf of the ladies and on behalf of myself uh, we, we toast, don't we? we do the toasting thing it is very lovely cheers a toast to the laddies thank you very much Thank you. Thank you very much, Jojo, for that most enjoyable uh, toast to the laddies. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you saw Ewan McDonald being presented with his Young Burnsy in 2018 award earlier. Now you're going to hear exactly why he won that award. Ewan's talents have taken him to such prestigious venues as the Carnegie Hall uh, and the Royal Albert Hall and he starts his studies at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland in September, he was telling me. We're delighted that he's with us tonight. The very best of order for Ewan MacDonald. Yeah. 
Well done, Ewan. What a wonderful rendition of arguably the most beautiful love song known to man. And that sets us up nicely for our final toast of the evening to the lassies. Indeed, you're overdue it, girls. Definitely overdue it. Proposing that toast is a new face to the West Sound Burn Supper, Eric Davidson. Eric is one of Scotland's finest after-dinner speakers and has the distinction of being the only comic, comic poet on the circuit. Uh, those talents have led to sell-out shows for him at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe in recent years. I perhaps shouldn't really tell you this about him, but when I was practicing as a lawyer, Eric consulted me uh, after he'd been arrested for doing a streak at the Air Flower Show. Uh, <laughs> He was fined 50 pounds in court, but uh, he won second prize for his dried flower arrangement. So, <laughs> so Eric was quite happy. To give us a toast to the lassies, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy Eric Davidson. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. There's uh, nought but care on every hand, and every hour that passes, oh, what signifies a life of man, and twirly for the lasses, oh. oh. <laughs> Me and the wife are they getting on there now. And I'm blaming the television. In fact, I wrote in to complain. I've got a copy of the letter I'd like to read it out here. Dear Jeremy Vine, every time I see Nigel Lawson lick jam from a spoon, I get sexually aroused. However, every time I see the wife lick jam from a spoon, a dinner. <laughs> Please can you tell me which brand of jam Nigel Lawson uses? <laughs> so when I arrived at the hotel here tonight, I went to the reception as you do. I said, oh, Mr Davidson, we've been expecting you. I said, thank you very much. I said, um, Give me a car registration number. Gave him a car registration number. I came through the bus, but that was neither here nor there. I gave him a car registration <laughs> Email address. Gave him an email address, apparently, for marketing purposes. And uh, just to let you know, uh, breakfast is between 7.30 and 10. I said, uh, thank you very much. I said, would you like a wake-up call? I said, I'd love a wake-up call. I said, look at you. You're in your mid-50s. What exactly have you achieved? <laughs> So here we are, 260 years since the birth of undoubtedly one of Scotland's greatest sons, if not the greatest. Burns, as you all know, was an incredible wordsmith. But when it came to the lassies, well, he was in a different league altogether. Burns fathered a total of 12 children by four women, including nine by his wife, Jean Armour. Seven of his children were legitimate, including the first four by Jean before they were married in 1788. Some even suggest, ladies and gentlemen, that 12 is just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> 
fact, recently, apparently, St Andrews University conducted a survey discovering that thanks to Robert Burns' extraordinary extramarital procreative proclivities, they reckon 20% of the population are descendants of Robert Burns. <laughs> now, I've got tables of 10 this evening. So if my arithmetic is correct, two people at each table. I've got Rabbi's jeans. Congratulations. But gentlemen, you know as well as I do that in these modern times you have to be able to multitask around the house because the last thing you want is a silent treatment. Gentlemen, you've all been there when once again you've lost that vote of no confidence. <laughs> There's been silence for a day and a half which, by the way, at times isn't such a bad idea. <laughs> Either that or she goes on and on and on and on and on. They were spotted over Gatwick and Heathrow without warning. But see the one that wakes up beside me every single morning? Well... She drones that I'm our lazy. She drones I'm on the dole. She drones because my water works her way beyond control. She drones about my gambling. She drones that I'm obscene. She drones because my mobile phone's a life support machine. She drones because I'm on Facebook. She drones that I'm on Twitter. She drones because I much prefer her Swedish babysitter. She drones about her sex life. She drones that it's so rare. She drones because I tell her it is doing to wear and tear. She drones that I'm I moaning. She drones I never smile. She drones because I never went to see her in the jail. <laughs> I never spotted our Gatwick and Heathrow without stealth. But see the one I bide with? I should have left it on the shelf. Thank you very much. <laughs> See, yes, I like to think I'm a modern man. I mean, ladies, I check my trouser pockets before I stick them in the washing machine. I don't just put the dirty dishes on top of the dishwasher. I actually put them in the dishwasher. Thank you. I, I think Rabbi would have been a modern man. Can you imagine his Facebook page? Relationship complicated. <laughs> One of my favourite wee poems of Robert Burns is a beautiful little six-line poem called On Wedding Rings, and it sums up his genius in six lines. She asked why wedding rings are made of gold. I ventured this to instruct her. Why, madam, love and lightning are the same. On earth they glance, from heaven they came. Love is the soul's electric flame, and gold its best conductor. Incredible. Years ahead of his time. I met my wife at a Newton Grange wedding. I come from Newton Grange, a little Midlothian mining village where aliens stop for a pee on their way back from hovering above Bonnybridge. <laughs> if you want to know what Newton Grange was like in 1937, go there tomorrow. Um, I'm actually now my second wife. My first wife died in a freak mountaineering accident. Um, Sometimes you just have to let go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Anyway, it was a typical Newton Grange wedding. Everybody's sitting at the same side of the church. The <laughs> bride and groom, nothing in common apart from DNA, and it was a <laughs> typical Newton Grange chat up line, nice tooth. She took me back to her house, she showed me her kitchen and her settee. Then she took me in the house. <laughs> Threw the turnstile into her bedroom. And signed a visitor's book at the side of her bed. She's actually a teacher, I don't know if we've got any teachers here today. Yeah, well done. Congratulations. A noble, a noble profession, because none of us would be here tonight if it hadn't been for the wonderful work of the private tutor, uh, John Murdoch, who educated Robert and Gilbert. We wouldn't be here tonight if it hadn't been for such a wonderful man who, who, who was a catalyst for Burns' genius. Um, but I'd hate to be a teacher nowadays. Uh, teacher says to her class, as read in the class, know the meaning of the word substitute. And when Johnny stuck up his hand, he says, I miss my mother's a substitute. <laughs> Johnny, we all know your mother is, in fact, a prostitute. <laughs> she says, no, my sister Mary's a prostitute, but if she's ever no wheel, my mother's a substitute. <laughs> but before I go, I'm going to leave you with this. Men, and Scottish men in particular, were hopeless when it comes to showing their emotions. Am I right, girls? He didn't be that correct. <laughs> Especially face to face. We find it difficult to say I love you. What we do, what we do instead is we buy you flowers. We buy you chocolates. We let you choose the bedroom wallpaper. <laughs> and I believe Ravi was the very same. The difference being his chocolates, his flowers, his way of saying how much he loved the lassies was to write some of the greatest love songs and poems that man has ever put to paper. He was incredible. And as I said earlier, he was years ahead of his time. Well, Europe's eye is fixed on mighty things, the fate of empires and the fall of kings. While quacks of state must each produce his plan, and even children lisp the rights of man. Amid this mighty fuss, just let me mention, the rights of woman merit some attention. No bad, eh? Gentlemen, can I ask you please to charge your glasses? Please be upstanding. The toasters, the lassies. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you.
They're about to be entertained by two of nature's finest lassies, ladies and gentlemen. They're in demand the world over. The McNeil sisters are a very gifted duo who have performed far and wide in places as diverse as Japan, Mexico and Pakistan, taking Scottish music to completely new audiences. Relax and enjoy their unique rendition of two Burns favourites, the McNeil sisters. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're enjoying your evening so far. So we'd like to perform for you uh, John Anderson, My Joe, and The Deals of War with the Excisemen. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. Well, this next, uh, this next tune we're going to do, it's, it's called The Deals Are War With The Excisement. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a tradition at the West Sound Burn Supper that we all sing the next song together. The song is, of course, the Starrow Rabbi Burns. There is a star whose beaming ray is shed on Yes, sir. 
gentlemen but we're nearing the close so let's sing that great universal song of parting a song that has been adopted as the world's anthem Burns wrote there's an old sang and tune which has often thrilled my soul I shall give you the verses on the other sheet the song on the other sheet was old Lang Syne Yeah. 